When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello everybody, welcome to the Aston Villa News Facebook page. We're currently live on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, also potentially welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast to see if this has made a podcast episode. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, basically we're going to sit through and do a Q&A with supporters. Um, anything Villa related, anything, I mean anything other than Villa to be honest, the way it's going at the moment, ask us anything. Uh, for those watching on Facebook Live, you are the heartbeat of this podcast, so send in your comments and questions. I'm Dan Ronson, joined by Pat Rowe this afternoon. Before we get any questions coming through, let's quickly go over Spurs. I don't think it's time to melt down personally. I was really impressed with that first half performance. I thought the system worked really well. I thought we, we penned them in, didn't we? I, I know we conceded mm. another sloppy early goal, which was just field full of mistakes and, you know... But um, I thought, yeah, we penned them in. They couldn't play out from the back, could they? And they kept trying to do that. I think that's probably the change they made at half time. They just started lobbing it up top, didn't they? The, the uh, flick ons to uh, Son and whatnot. But yeah, I thought the four three one two worked well. It just wasn't our day in front of goal, was it? I think if Danny Ings has maybe played and played a few games before that, Matt Shah, he's been in and yeah. out of the squad all season. He's probably burying those the overhead kick one and that one at the back post where he just dragged it. I thought those were just guaranteed for a confident Danny Ings. He's just not confident at the minute, is he? Um, what are the ones? McGinn from outside the area, Cash from outside the area, Ramsey's Watkins one. Watkins as well, didn't yeah, Watkins header. I thought he was under that, to be fair. I thought that was harder than a few people made out. But uh, the Ramsey one stands out for me where he's just... It was like the Norwich goal, wasn't it? Just a bit more congested. I thought he was going to bury that with his left foot again. But no... Hugo Lloris, seven saves, the most he's ever made in the first half. Of course, that happens against Villa. I think he made eight <laughs> on the uh, peak, isn't it? Yeah, eight on the evening, and um, that probably shows the difference in the two halves of the performance, wasn't it? Seven in the seven saves made in the first, and only one in the second because we just fell to bits after that second goal, didn't we? Just got punished mm-hmm. by a bit of world class finishing, but it's not panicked. I wouldn't. Uh, it's not time for panic for me. I probably would go with the same system against Leicester as well and just back the strikers to eventually score, to be honest, because we do have the quality. It's just, it just wasn't our day. Yeah, it's easy to, or easier to kind of laugh and smile about things like Luis making a saving record against a lot of typical Villa, isn't it, to have something like that. Um, I'm not any more, you know, I'm not happy with the fact we've lost 4-0. Uh, the comment here from Yvonne, um, first half performance was great after the first goal in the third minute. Their goalie made some cracking saves. Yeah, it's exactly what we've just mm-hmm. been saying. Um, there's a couple of questions, by the way, and we'll kind of see them through, throughout. Um, Sean says Spurs keeper kept the minute. If it wasn't free, it could have been game over for Spurs by half time. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of talk after the game about um, kind of Gerald's tactics and not being able to set things up right and, and all this kind of stuff. But it's a goal in the third minute or whatever it is. And after that, we've absolutely peppered um, Spurs throughout the first half. If we're three one up at half time, no one's no one's talking about Joe's tactics. The setup did work. We played very well. That's probably I think I think I put for the, the description, the podcast after the game, that I do with Matt. You can go and watch that if you want to hear more of our thoughts. That's probably the first the best first half performance of the season. Oh, definitely, yeah. But you're going one nil down 
and then you lose the second half 3 0, you lose the game 4 0. I, I kind of said afterwards, can you even take and enjoy any comfort in the fact that we played well? Yeah. You, you play well but lose 4 0, does it, does it matter? What, what's your kind of take on that? It's one of those, isn't it? It's if obviously losing 4 0 at home is unacceptable, like, that can't happen. But it's whether or not the positives that you can take from the first half kind of outweigh the negatives that you're going to take into account. I think the negatives were that just we got undone by two world-class strikers or forwards or a front three that's probably amongst the best in the world in, on their day, um, which many teams probably will get undone by a bit of Harry Kane magic and someone yeah. running through on goal. So it's not they're not going to be the first, not going to be the last either. But um, yeah, that's why I said the positives for me in the first half probably do outweigh the negatives. And I'd say I'd just go for the same against Leicester. I don't think Leicester have the same quality as Spurs. I don't think they could probably hurt us in the same way Spurs did. I thought... Uh, the system was really solid. I thought we defended well for the majority of it, but there were just individual errors. Like people are going to come back to. I know it's one of our topics we're going to talk about, but Conza, the slip against Wolves, that's really unfortunate. And then that mistimed header in the build up to where they have lucky first goal. And then, of course, it cannons off the post and in instead of coming off the post and going out. Just our luck at the moment. I think we are short mm-hmm. of luck, Conza especially. I think his form probably does deserve. Like you just need to get out of the firing line a bit, doesn't he? I think Chambers probably should come in, but you don't just lose your quality overnight. Where everyone was saying he's the best defender, not only for Villa but defender for England. Like, yeah. like the last team selection for Southgate, there was still like a large proportion of the fan base that was saying, "Oh, why isn't Conza in there?" But at the time, he wasn't even in the squad. So I don't think you lose that. To be honest, I think he is a top quality defender, um, but probably just his form now probably needs him just get out of the firing line a bit, out of the pressure zones. Uh, questions here and I'll put the same question to the comments and we'll kind of interweave these through how many changes would you make for Leicester it'd be concert for Chambers you said you'd play the same two, two up front I think a lot of people would say a little bit of rotation there because I think I said after the game the, the Sharks haven't done enough and that, that's worrying in itself it's a different level with Keenan Davis scoring, scoring five I think for Forrest and Archer six or seven for Preston Apart just thinks if Cameron Archer had played the same amount of minutes that Danny Ings has this season, would he have scored more goals than Danny Ings? Apart me feels like, yes, because he's only scored four or something all season. Like, if Cameron Archer played those minutes, would he have managed to squeeze in four goals by this point? And then you think, well, that's 30 million's worth of striker we've got there who's contributed what a youth player could have done. That's a very easy comparison to make after the fact that we know that Archer's gone on well to do, gone on to do well at Preston and, and Ings hasn't done well for us. If you yeah. said that at the start of the season, we're all delighted with Danny Ings, but it's just not worked and that is frustrating, disappointing, whatever word you want to go for. So, yeah, changes for Leicester. I know it's miles away, really. Uh, I think it's 13 days, which feels like a lifetime. Yeah. What, what would you do? I'll just go back on the the Ings point. Um, if, say say Ings, we don't. We've never signed Ings. This is what I've been thinking about: is if if we went into the summer and signed a player like Ings, like Ings arrived this summer, everyone would be going, "Oh, the problem solved. We've got like a finisher mm. now." Yeah. So I think you've got to tie in like the fact that he's had injury problems. He's been in and out of the squad. Villa have had a, a turbulent year. I think he's got five goals, five assists. It's. I mean, it's not what you want from your thirty million pound striker, but. It's just been a difficult time for everyone, hasn't it? So it's just whether or not Archer would bury the same chances. I feel like every chance that I watch Archer get, he buries. And I'm shocked. <laughs> it is one. a different level, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? But we ha- I have well, buried that header against Chelsea with I can't remember. I find myself saying it's a different level, but unsure in 
you know, twelve yard box or whatever, and you're one on one with the goalkeeper. Surely it doesn't matter what what, what league you're playing in. Yeah, it's it's natural ability if you can put the ball in the back of the net. So yeah, uh, yeah. So changes then quickly. Uh, Chambers in says Lee Wellins. Uh, three changes says Christopher uh, Archer and Suarez next season says Lee. Oh, I can't see it personally. Yeah. Uh, three four two one formation says Phil. Drop Douglas for Chambers and Brendia for Ings. I'm going to come so, back to the three at the back thing because I've been looking into it a bit. And, uh, okay, all right. So that would be Chambers, Contamings as a three, um, McGinn and Ramsey is the two in midfield. Is it? I guess. Is the two? That would be, that would be a tough. Yeah, I'm not sure about the back. Like, your wing back. Well, yeah, that, people talking about full back now with Dean potentially out for the, the rest of the season. Obviously, it's a couple of weeks, well, yeah, ten days or so to the next game, and we'll see if there's any developments there. But if he has broke his collarbone, then. Yeah, it's going to be out for a few weeks at least, which is probably, well, it's the end of the season, isn't it? Like six yeah. weeks, so yeah. Um, any other comments about team news? Uh, Matthew says we need a new start 11, which I'm not, not you know, inclined to disagree with, really. Um, Samson needs a run. Yeah, so there's definitely changes and potential for that. Um, Leicester obviously hit a bit of form just as we're about to play them, which as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, three at the back then for you. Talk to me. What you've been thinking about? You know, well, I chuckled just when you said oh, I've been thinking about Danny Ings. You know that meme when it's like, oh, you, you know, what is he thinking about? He's probably thinking about other women. And you're just lying there in bed thinking about why is Danny Ings not scoring goals? Well, he has the same issues if he's done Danny Ings this season. <laughs> yeah. Um... So do that as a meme for a native, actually. I'm going to write that down. In terms of, yeah, the three at the back, it can't. It, came into my mind because of this new link to Matthias Ginter or Ginter, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. Um, but for predominantly, he plays in the back three for um, Mark and Gladbach and uh, he's on the right side of it so he's not the centre or the left, he's on the right. I was just thinking, oh, is, is, is there an opportunity for Gerard to kind of switch to a back three? But Gerard, has, I just looked at it now just before the podcast, he's never once trialled it in his managerial career for like Rangers or anything. So I doubt he's going to stray away from that so it probably is a hint that I mean, the two links that have, I think there's three solid links that have merged, and it's Basuma, um, Gomez, and this uh, Ginter. So, with two of them being uh, centre backs, probably is the main position that he's looking to upgrade. But it's interesting that they're right, cent- uh, right centre backs and not left centre backs, because everyone thought it'd be Mings to go first. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, interesting to see that he's re- recruiting there or like, looking to if the rumours are true. But um, personally, I still think Konza is one of our best defenders and we should just build around... T- I don't think we can change every single position in the team ahead of next season, like, like whoever just said 11, which might be fair to say on current form. <laughs> but I made a point on Twitter the other day that I think I can rem- remember two seasons where we've had mass recruitment in, and that was the relegation season where we signed like Idris Aguay, Jordan Marvi, those kind of players, and then when we got promoted as well, and almost went down, <laughs> and almost went down, and then we signed ten players, averaging like ten million each or something. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly hard to spend um, get, spend a lot of money and get quantity and quality at the same time. So I don't think we should be looking at more than like four additions this summer. And in terms of the additions, I'd want. I'm not sure replacing Ezra Kanza is one of them, although high priorities mm-hmm. at least. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what your thoughts on are on the uh, Kanza links. Yeah, part of all that that conversation, Kanza, Watkins, Danny Ings, um, McGinn, even maybe to a lesser extent, Douglas Louise. I don't know whether you'd replace them by choice now. If you just go, right, we'll have a clean slate. Who do you want? Who do you want to? Who do you want to keep? Who do you want to get rid of? Mm-hmm. A lot of that will depend on whether there's office for them. 
because I, I would keep concert, but if somebody does come in for him and says 45 mil or whatever, um, there was a stage one, you know, last season when we were saying like 60, 70 mil yeah. for him, I don't think you'd quite get that now, but yeah. um, he's still a good player, but yeah, I don't think you get that much. Maybe you do you do accept that and you buy somebody for half the price and you, you reinvest in the team and that, and that is the model going forward. Um, some of you were talking about kind of like the, the sacking of Smith and important Gerrard and, and getting Dean and Coutinho in is like the end of the, the young and hungry kind of um, player that we want success now and you'll buy kind of like one of the league's best left-backs kind of, I guess, on reputation for, for Dean. It's not really worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And Coutinho is kind of like this star player come in and, and we want success now and that, that is the format going forward. So you sell concert for 45 mil, sign somebody else for 30 and just go right, plug and play, go new centre-back, kind of mm-hmm. move on. There's <clears throat> um, a question here on that kind of to an extent from Wayne Dowling. He says, can we afford to carry Coutinho in pretty much every game? Um, it's difficult with Coutinho. People that aren't signed up to the, the newsletter for Current Blue, first of all, go and do that because there's some, some good stuff on there. John actually wrote a good comment piece the other day about not spending our way to Europe. Like that, isn't, that isn't realistic. You've got to coach what you've got as well. But I wrote a little piece after the Wolves game, I think it was, saying, like, I love Coutinho, but he's, he's either brilliant or he's rubbish. And there really? doesn't really seem to be a middle ground. I think Ash gave him a 5 out of 10 for the Spurs game and the comments were like, Coutinho is the best player for us. He was the best player for us in the first half. And they went missing yeah. for the second, like the rest of the team. Yeah. So as much as you can play well for 40 minutes, if you're an elite player, you've got to play well for, for 90 minutes to be to be worthy of, of that level of you know, um, adoration or, or whatever the word is. So I don't know that you, I'd suggest that we're carrying him, but he's a bit of a luxury for a player, of a player yeah. when you're in a struggling side. And, and that is a, a difficult thing for Gerald to weigh up because as much as he's got this great relationship with him and on his day, he's one of the, the, the best attacking midfielders in, in, the, in the league. If he's not on it, can we afford to pay 35 million for that and give him 200 grand a week when we've got Emi Buendia on similar figures sat on the bench? Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I think it's pretty similar to like the situation United find themselves in with Bruno Fernandes. Like, other than the attacking midfielder role, or if you just put him out of position and play him up front like the other day for some reason, you can't really play Coutinho any other with a like left wing and attacking like, uh, attacking mid. So he doesn't really do a job that well defensively, does he? And then you can make the argument that Wendy does. So maybe that suits the team that we are at the moment a bit more. A player that can contribute on both ends of the uh, pitch, but. I'm very much on board with bringing um, Coutinho in and it would state that they are going for a win-now strategy. So they're probably thinking, that's why these links to like Ginter, I think he's won the World Cup, that players like that, experienced Dean. They're going for a win-now, aren't they, if they sign Dean? They're not going for a, pro- a long-term project. So maybe there would be a shift away from players such as Conza and Watkins that you're probably going to have to wait another two years for to be at the uh, level to compete for like trophies and whatnot. Yeah. Or they might not give a 7 out of 10 every single game. They might have a game where they're a 4 out of 10. I don't know if Gerard wants players that you can't depend on every single uh, game of the season. But he's one of those. I'd be on board with bringing Coutinho in. I mean, you say uh, he dropped off in the second half, as everyone did. But he, the first half, eight eight shot creating actions, was I think his most since 2019. So just a half a football like that could win you the game. And it was yeah, just- for sure, yeah. Like we said at the start, if you're 3-1 up half-time and Coutinho's got two assists, this is a totally different conversation, isn't it? Like what, like I think Gerard said himself that it wasn't a 4-0 scoreline. I think yeah, it was Gerard who said it. It wasn't really. Spurs had five chances and scored four. 
And that's what the clinical team does. That's what Harry Kane and, and, and Son do. They, they chase them for top four. They've had five chances. They've scored four, job done, clean sheet, and, and off you go. We've made seven chances in the first half and not scored a single goal. And, and ultimately, that is, you know, we can look into it all we like. That, that's the biggest issue that, that we don't score enough goals from the, the, chances, mm-hmm. the chances that we create. We almost um, scored in as well with that free kick that we've got palmed out. Yeah. On the mm. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions about Leon Bailey. Um, Phil says, can we send him back to Germany? Um, and somebody else just said, what do we do with him? Uh, Christopher says, what are we going to do with Bailey? It's a weird one, isn't it? Amor Ogarza leaves um, on loan to Everton, which is a bizarre move in itself, looking at that now, and says when he leaves, you know, wingers like me don't fit in under, under Gerard's system and they don't, because <laughs> we don't play wingers, which is potentially a problem in itself. So what happens to 25, 28 million euro Bailey, who's come in as kind of, again, not a star player, but done well in Germany, we're all excited about him, kind of here to replace Jack Grealish, so to speak, and he gets a look in due to injury and, and various other things and now doesn't fit the system and to yeah. be fair you can say a lot of the same things about Amy Buendia you've got 60 million yeah, worth yeah. of talent there and you, they're both sat on the bench yeah I think Buendia slightly fits the system a bit more because you can play yeah, more yeah, centrally I'd probably like I've said it before I wrote a piece before the uh, Spurs game saying I probably want to see him trialled in the midfield a bit but um, this is why I was confused at those first links that Gerard was at the Leicester game I thought he'd be watching Sangare <laughs> But he was apparently he was watching. Um, I'm not even going to try and butcher his name, but it was the winger, the 20 year old winger. And then Gerard also went on to say that he's not going to be looking to recruit young players this this summer. So I was like, I didn't really believe those links to the 20 year old. Um, it is difficult to see how Leon Bailey or the the PSV winger fit into the system unless Gerard changes it and plays like a natural winger system, which I don't think he will. I think mm-hmm. he'd rather stick with the two strikes at the top or. The, little, the number 10 formation he, he uses. Um, I don't really like using Bailey as a striker either. I didn't think he did much against Wolves. And then I no. saw people messaging me saying that that PSV guy could be as a striker. If Villa want to go and recruit someone that is a striker <laughs> or they want him to play striker <laughs> next season, I think we should just go and buy a striker that can score 30 goals and not yeah. a makeshift player that can play on the wing and striker. Um, so yeah, those links confuse me. Um, I haven't really seen a lot from Leon Bailey and been amazed by what I've seen to be honest and it was the first few games we came on against Watford whipped that ball in um, obviously yeah, the Everton game that header injury I mean, sorry I've just got to interrupt I've got to interrupt you there the fact that like how much was Bailey it's like, oh, I keep saying 25 up to 30 million Leon Bailey comes in with a reputation from, from Germany and one of the highlights we're picking out here is a ball he whipped in against Watford at the start yeah. of the season I mean, that says it all, doesn't well, it? They were both, I think, they were, but the Everton was September, wasn't it? And then since his injuries, I've just not seen anything, to be honest. I think the West Ham substitute appearance was the brightest he's looked. I think he got an mm. assist there for Ramsey, or I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen the pace that everyone talks about. I haven't seen the drifting past players. I haven't seen the, the cutting inside and shooting that much, apart from the odd one each game. I just haven't really been that impressed, to be honest. Um, Gary says it is only Bailey's first season with us. Do we have to give him some kind of benefit of the doubt if he's going to be here next season? Which I assume we are. I mean, people saying about like, oh, next season we can offload Danny Ings, offload Bailey, Buendia. So we saw these guys were close to 100 million. You know, what is it? Eight months ago or whatever. If we do stay in this season, first of all, that's a, a glowing indictment that the recruitment wasn't right. So 
the axe should fall on their heads for, for mm-hmm. you know, first of all, saying we signed these guys eight months ago and we want to get rid of them already. Secondly, how much of that money are we going to get back after poor seasons and injuries problems? So if they are all going to be here next season, or, or Bailey and Brendier certainly will be here next season, I would have thought Ings is slightly more questionable given his age. If they don't fit in, then what, what is the point? And you've mm-hmm. just got to hope that, you know, it's that first season settling in period. You've kind of said it's been a turbulent year, two managers, different formations, injuries, etc. They've got to be better next season, I don't know if they are. That's, that's the, the plain and simple of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we paid a premium for these players and I doubt anyone would on the, the um, form they're in. Maybe Brighton would do like a kind of swap deal. I think I've seen that with uh, Basuma mentioned. But obviously not a straight swap. We still have to pay quite a lot. Actually, maybe not considering his contracts running out. Mm. I'm not sure I'd even want to at the moment. To be honest, swap um, deals never happen. though, do they? Yeah. When's the last time you saw a swap deal? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think we should be shipping them out because I still think they've all got individual quality. But it's just whether or not they've got the time under Gerard, who's going to want to win now, and his recruitment would suggest that as well to kind of have a continued bedding phase into the team. I think. Out of the three, I think Buendia will definitely be there next season. Mm-hmm. The other two, uh, I think in order to fund the big summer that everyone's anticipating, there probably is going to have to be some shock exits and they're probably where you look. Um, it might happen. So, yeah, if I was going to call for one player to, to go in summer, not call for it, but predict one, probably would be Bailey just because I don't think he fits into the system at all for Gerard. Yeah, I would have thought things might be the one. To go, it's just because of his age, but you know, what's an acceptable again? Question to the to people watching along live as well what's an acceptable price for Dunnings? I think you could get 20 for Ings still. Do you think you could get 20? I don't. I think, I think, I think it, maybe like a team getting promoted that wants some goals or something. Brighton, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, they need a striker. I think 20, 15 to 20, you'd probably get for him. I mean, we're yeah, Keenan Bay, there's rumoured to be 10 million, so surely you get yeah, 20 for Dunnings. Yeah, I'd say close to 15 to be honest. I don't, just because of the season he's had, you're now looking at a player who's, was he 31, 32, something like that? Rang under 30, yeah. Who, who we're all kind of going before this season, you know, like proven goal scorer, gets 15, 20 goals everywhere. This season he's got five. You know, his, his value, his ability, that whatever you want to put it, is, is on the way down. I don't see anyone getting anywhere near backhand money for him. It's not like what Bailey to to an extent. His age is certainly in his favour. He could go back to somewhere like Germany and we could recoup some of that money, but. Clubs abroad don't have that kind of cash to throw around. So mm-hmm. if someone in the Premier League doesn't want him, probably we're going to end up stuck with him whether we, we play him or not. Um, there was a question right at the start from Sean Finnegan. He says, from our remaining fixtures, how many points do you think we can get? And conveniently, I've got the remaining fixtures uh, in front of us. Bear with me. There we go. So we're currently 12th on 36 points. We've got Leicester City away, Norwich City at home, Burnley away. Liverpool at home, Crystal Palace at home, Burnley at home, and Manchester City away. So seven games left to play, thir- uh, 21 points available, so we can finish on a maximum of 57, which I very much doubt we will, but it would be an improvement on last year, so that would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Pat, when you look at those games, how many points do you think we might end up with there? And actually, I'll ask you this as a kind of a two-fold question. Again, same to the comments. What would you be happy with and what do you realistically think we'll get? 
Well, I'd be happy with 50, uh, finishing on 57. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what we need to uh, just put the demons away in this team for, for now. And if we won the last seven games in a row, that would be some end yeah. of the season giving Liverpool and Man City, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think we'll, I think we'll beat Leicester. I think Burnley will cause us problems. I think from the fixtures out, I think I just added it up, I think about eight points. Beating Leicester, beating Norwich, drawing against Palace and then drawing one of the games against Burnley but I think they'll beat us on when we go to Turf Moor um, and then lose into Man City I'd love, I'd love it for us to decide the, the uh, title on the last game of the season like Coutinho and Gerrard giving Liverpool the uh, title taking it away from uh, Grealish and Man City I'd take that all day long um, but yeah I think Burnley are probably the only other team that we're going to play that have um, something to play for. I think Norwich are basically down, aren't they, despite the win the other day. Um, I don't like playing Burnley ever, to be honest, from memory. when we've Since yeah, we've been promoted, sense. it's always been frustrating. Goals disallowed. That comeback from Chris Wood last season, when we, it was probably our best side for years. And they beat us 3-2, didn't they? Did, they, did we draw as well at home last season? It uh, was 2-2. 2-2, yeah, something like that. We just couldn't beat them. It annoys me. Um this is why I said the other day that I'd rather Everton stay up than Burnley because I just hate playing Burnley. I feel like they always frustrate us. Like I feel like I get excited for the Everton game, one of the oldest fixtures in football, and I feel like we beat them quite frequently as well. Mm. Only from recent history since getting promoted. And uh, but yeah, I'd want Burnley to get relegated, but I think that they're the only, the only other team that have got something to play for. So I think that'll give us problems. Uh, from a footballing point of view, I'd like Burnley to go down just because Sean Dyer's boring. Don't don't really like it. Not my cup of tea. But from like a weird, weird sense, I quite like the thought of everything going right. down. From a curiosity point of view, like similar to Villa, similar to Villa's relegation that they just kept falling, kept falling. Um, not to the extent of seventeen points in the season, but you know, they're one of these clubs that have never been relegated, like Villa were up until twenty sixteen. So for them to lose that record as well gives me mm-hmm. some kind of weird satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> it probably says more about me than anything. Um, Ryan says six points if we're lucky, and we need six to be safe, and we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, Sophie says twelve. Christopher nine tops. Uh, Des I think ten points. Uh, David says three points off Burnley. Uh, three three points off Burnley. Three off Norwich. Draw Palace. Lose the rest. So seven. Uh, anybody else? Sure. It would be great if we won them all. <laughs> but I think we'll get ten points. Not wrong. Three against Leicester. Four from the two Burnley games, and a win versus Norwich. Which yeah, I think that's probably most most likely. Um, it was a nil-nil at Villa Park with 24 chances not 2-2 two, two. I don't know where I got that from uh, Steve says it should be 13 points 24 20. chances no goal what is that about yeah, I know yeah, yeah I'm out um, of <coughs> let's just flash it up again quickly so I'll give my thoughts Leicester I think will be a draw because it's away Norwich at home is a massive banana skin with it being Dean Smith and mm-hmm. I think they are down but you know, if they, I don't know who their next game is that they play this weekend, but let's say they win again before we play them. You know, that might be a little bit riding on that, but I still think we'll beat them. So that's four points. But only away, like you, I want to say defeat. Liverpool, yeah, blindly going to lose out. <laughs> uh, so that's still four points. Crystal Palace at home, I fancy us to be anyone at home just because you're at home. It's going to be one of the last home games of the season. So that's seven. Again, Burnley at home, rearranged to a Thursday night. I think that will be the last home game of the season. So I, I want to be entertained and given a performance there, mm-hmm. as best you can against a, a Burnley side at the bottom of the league. So that's 10 points, I think, for me as well. And then lose on the last day, I think, is probably most likely. So 10 points is probably what I expect. I'd still be, I'd be quite happy with 10 points. And finished on 46 when we had 55 last year. 
is a backward step, but I mean, you could potentially yeah. finish higher than 11th on 46 points. So, you know, in some ways, it would be, a, would be a better season. So, yeah, um, nine points says Matt. Uh, Nitro fighting for their lives says Jay. No easy games. Agreed. Uh, Steve says 19 points. We win the league. Flew a poor point meter and beat your man since on the last day. That is the ideal situation. Yeah. I mean, the ideal situation is winning all seven. But I don't really care who wins the league. Um, who, who do you think will win the league, by the way? Let's just feel away from this. I do think Liverpool will win the league. I don't know why. I just feel like Man City are more likely to slip up currently. I know they were, uh, I think they got quite lucky, unlucky uh, with that offside of Sterling. But, mm. And I just like the way uh, Liverpool play a bit more as well. And of course, there's the elephant in the room that I don't want to give Jack Grealish a guard of honour on the last game of the season. Yeah. He'll be on the bench anyway, so don't worry about it. Yeah, there we go. Who would you get rid of in the summer, says Gary. And there was a follow-up question. Somebody said, like, who, who do you think is the dead wood? Oh, Sean, five or six pieces of dead wood need to go. So kind of a two-part question. Who do you think will go and who, who do you class as the dead wood? Um, Davis says 15 million for Ings, 10 million for Davis, 5 million for Wesley. I forgot about Wesley. <laughs> Absolutely forgot about, about Wesley. Wesley. Forgot about Wesley uh, well. Yeah, that'd be 30 million in. And then you've got people like El Ghazi, Sansa potentially, Trezeguet. Um, I think Traoré then you've got one of the big hitters like Bailey somebody like that and then you've also got the opportunity of Matt Target uh, another Gilbert Um, and then you've got the potential of um, an unexpected sale let's say somebody like Edry Concer or Douglas Louise somebody like that Ollie Watkins Um, so how many do you think do you think we'll have a big season a a big summer of turnaround do you think there will be a lot go because part part of the conversation is who's going to buy them yeah. I think there will be um, teams that want to take them on board. Obviously, Forrest are really keen on Davis. I think um, Trezeguet is doing all right in Turkey. There'll be teams for um, Traore, maybe back in France or something. Um, I think I think I read that Newcastle might be after Aaron Hickey as well, which is probably mm. be one of the signings for me because I don't think we can have Ashley Young as our backup. Maybe as a backup to the backup and like get your coaching badges there because you're 37 next season. But play again. Uh, the amount of games he's played this season probably too much for a 36 year old. Yeah, I know he's yeah. in the form of his life or fitness of his life, but still, if you want to push on, you need a reliable backup that can come on and produce the same as your um, starting fullback. To be honest, um, I thought who were the other ones? I think I, there was even rumours that Villa might sell Archer, which I can't see happening, but it would be a big money off, uh, no big way. money offer. Um, It'd I don't be a big money offer that Villa would accept, but that, no one's going to pay 20, no, 25 more, million for Archer. And yeah, you'd be looking at least. In the championship. Yeah, you'd be looking at least wanting to figure out that for a player of his age and what he's done so far. There's no yeah. chance Archer leaves, absolutely no chance. He might get another loan, but they won't sell him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, yeah, Gilbert's doing really well in France, isn't he? I don't know how many years are left on his contract, but um, I think you could get a, a decent fee for them just because he's obviously not got a future. I'd like to see Kane Kessler. Get a go next season as the backup, or yeah, yeah. Uh, MK Duns get promoted. Maybe gets another uh, loan in the championship or something. Um, I think you can recoup a lot of, uh, like maybe like forty to fifty million of players you just mentioned. And I think we do need that to finance the summer. And then if they want a really big summer, you're probably going to have to see someone like Konza or Bailey go. But personally, I wouldn't want Watkins or Konza to go. I'd be okay with a Bailey sale just because, as we mentioned, I just can't see a situation unless he switches his uh, systems where he fits in. Um, but I do think it'll be be busy. Yeah. First uh, summer for Gerard, putting his stamp on the squad. Big funds available, a pre-season, 
no international football interfering with it either until November time. So, yeah, I think it will be a busy summer, but maybe outgoings more than incomings. Yeah. Um, there's a comment here, and I want to kind of try and assess as many opinions as we can from Ahad Ali, who says, Gerard hasn't improved a single player. Do you agree with that or do you disagree? I disagree with that. I think Ramsey's come on leaps and bounds. I know he was given opportunity under Smith, but I don't think he was the quality that we were seeing under, uh, I think in that first game at Brighton, I remember seeing it. I think he just gave Ramsey a bit more responsibility, lent on him a bit more than maybe Smith would have done. And he's just, just uh, progressed massively, hasn't he? In terms of other than that, I think Cash as well. Cash has developed mm-hmm. going forward. I think they identified his weaknesses that he can't really whip a ball in first time. So they probably, I think there's been a direct change of him just cutting it back instead. And that's been a bit more threatening for me. Um, I don't think Mings has been that bad. I think he's had one or two games. Other than that, I thought Mings has been quite solid throughout Gerard's uh, time. I think, remember the first few games. It was unreal, wasn't it? I think everyone was back supporting him, but then he's had a few slip-ups since then. Other than that, I can't really think of anyone that's progressed too much. Nakamba. Nakamba in possession, yeah. Nakamba looked a bit more comfortable um, those first few games. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see him come back, see if he's he's at the same confidence levels, which I can't imagine he will be until next season, to be honest. He was out of football for, like, what, six months? Um, five months, rather. Um, but it would be interesting to see him back in the team because that's obviously one of the... That'd be the main position for me to strengthen in summer. That CDM position, I'd happily play sixty million for Calvin Phillips. I'd happily would play. You? I would, yeah, I would for England's Player of the Year twenty twenty one. I would. He is the exact profile I think we need in the uh, midfield. Solve not all the issues in the squad, but a large proportion of them. I think that's a little bit steep, to be honest. But if you are kind of paying for it, like the exits we've just said as well. I don't can't see Leeds. Yeah. I think Leeds aren't many points off us, are they? So you know, maybe he won't want to take the step. To Villa is not necessarily a step up at the moment, but um, yeah, it'd be up to him. And I think United also want him, so obviously it's not a question if United come in for him. Yeah, there's no, we're really on first place, so he's improved, and we've got three or maybe four, which isn't exactly um, yeah, a great, great thing, really. There's a lot of noise going out outside the bar. Can you hear all that? Yeah, drilling and like or something. I don't know what's going on, uh, anyway. Um, there's a lot of players that you could probably argue have regressed under Gerard, which, but as I say that, I don't even fully believe it myself because they've just not been good all season. Like someone like Watkins hasn't been good all season. I don't. That's not Gerard's fault. I don't think. Conte as well, likewise. Um, Ginn hasn't had a great season. Douglas Bees hasn't had a great season. Um, but I don't know whether that's Gerard's fault. Yeah. Part of me just, just, just curious. Quite, as, part of me is curious as to whether, like, if you know you're leaving. Or you know you're going to be replaced. You must have some kind of drop off in performance. Yeah. Even if you, I'm not saying that Ollie Watkins is going. Well, I'm going to Arsenal next season, so I'm just going to jack it in and not bother. But there must be some kind of subconscious thing thinking, oh, "Am I going to bust a gut for, for this ball in the 89th minute?" Like that target, yeah, like, wasn't it? I think when the links, I think it was the first link that appeared, wasn't it? Luca Dean or a left back or a current Borna Sosa was the first one I remember. But then he had a good first few games. I think Brighton and Crystal Palace, and he fell off a bit, didn't he? I think mm. it was that mentality aspect of players may maybe hear the leaks starting to come through. Like they'll see the centre back links coming through now and the CDM links, 
and it probably will have a role in the, like Douglas Louise's contract negotiations or the form of Conza, confidence issues, and all that adds up, doesn't it? Like players see reports just like we see reports and stuff. So yeah, they'll help you read some of the noise. So if he says, why pay that kind of money for a player when you've got a perfectly good player in the camber, unless you're going to buy a backup CDM? I think in an ideal world, the camber is your backup, is he not? Yeah, that in like in terms of if you want to see the team progress, I know the camber had a few good games, but I think he has his limitations <laughs> as good yeah. as he can be. I think he's 28 as well. So, he's a good player, I mean, he's definitely one of the most yeah. improved under Gerard. And if he is fit for the next seven games, I think that will help us pick up yeah. you know maybe a few more points than we expect. But he's Nakamba, top eight Premier League player, top six Premier League player. I mean, we don't know to to a certain extent because you know he's only had that small sample size of good games before that. Though before Gerard, I think most people would have said, "Oh, the camera's not really doesn't really do, do it for me." And he's not. If you can play to somebody like Phillips, yeah, I don't think he's a player that could play the way Gerard wants to in the future. So, like the games that he played mm-hmm. well in from memory, I think we had about thirty percent possession. We just scored and then locked it down defensively, didn't we? And he was just there to break it up, dish it to one of uh, Ramsey or McGinn. I think in the long-term image for the team, Gerard wants us, you know, dominating the ball, someone progressing us from the back, uh, doing the same role defensively, but also having a lot more to his game, maybe a bit more going forward. I think that's what Sangari does. Phillips showed that once once he's given a freer role for England, he went forward a bit more and played well. I think he wants that from his centre-backs as well. I think everyone always highlights Ejikons' distribution and his progressive play. And then they get linked to Ginter, who's is probably I'd say that's like a main strength of his is like his ability to be calm and on the ball, passes under pressure, getting the ball forward and roaming a bit. So yeah, he obviously wants to play in a different way long term if he's getting linked to these players. I just want to jump back to Ryan's comment from earlier, who said six points if we're lucky and we need six to be safe. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you do you believe we're in danger of relegation still? No. I'm not thinking of relegation at all now. I think that's pretty done and dusted for me. Yeah. I think, I think Burnley will be lucky to escape if they do escape. I think Leeds, Newcastle, I don't think Newcastle are thinking of it and they're below us, aren't they? Well, that, that, that's kind of my kind of benchmark for it. I've, the, the relegation kind of question has been doing the rounds for weeks and I've said, we're not going down, we're not going up and I've been quite adamant out of that because I just thought... Yeah. I'll hook about crook, you know, we need like 10 points or whatever to be safe. We'll get that at some point. Even if you win one, lose five, win one, lose five, you'll get points that you need. We're on 36 now, only on 24. So there's already a 12 point gap. They've got to win four games just to catch us. I know they've got a game in hand and we play, we do play them twice. So if they beat us twice, that gap does come down quite a bit. Even so, and saying we need another six points. To be to be absolutely safe, that's what that puts us to forty two. It'd like, be a catastrophic end of the season, <laughs> like for yeah. us to get relegated. Like, and, and you'll see, like Newcastle, like two maybe two games ago, kind of like not celebrating that they're like definitely up, but kind of have that feeling of like, oh, look at Eddie Howe, look what he's done, what a great job. They're definitely yeah. going to be safe now, and they're on thirty four. So if they're feeling like that on thirty four, still again, still seven games to go. Like surely we're going to get another four or five points for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, relegation. I know everyone's opinion. It, you know, you, you're allowed to, in, you know, you're entitled to think what you want. And it's easy for me to sit here and kind of go, "Oh, look at you, you're wrong." But yeah. you know, other people can can jump in as well if they if they disagree. I'm you know, happy to be But maybe not too much more than that for the rest. I of think. The season. It, Burning on 24, you'll probably look at the end of the season and go, oh, you'd have been safe on like 29 this year. Yeah. Are Burnley going to get another five points? Probably not. 
Um, well, they played against Norwich, I know that. If, if I was Everton on 28 points, I'd be worried then. If I was Leeds on 33, potentially I'd be worried as well. Even Leeds, I think, are, are going to be yeah, fine as well. Yeah, fine after that win the other day. I think, I think Leeds could start on 33. Like They could lose every game and still be fine, I think. The standard yeah. of that bottom three is, is so bad. Um, Norwich City, 21, by the way. They're only seven from safety now. But yeah, I still don't think they're going to do it. That'll be a tall ass. We'll Dino well. three points. Dino can have three points. <laughs> Yeah, not expensive, so. um, well, so like, oh yeah, unpopular opinion. I wanted to get yeah. your take on this. Me and Matt did it in the post Spurs chat, and there was a kind of thread going around on Twitter on Saturday morning of um, opinions that you'd be cancelled for. So, if anyone doesn't know, to be cancelled to me is to like you know you say something offensive and you're kind of off the air, so to speak. Um, so, what Villa opinion would you be cancelled for? Um, have you got anything that springs to mind? I can give you my example. Have you got two? And okay, what the, first one, the first one, probably a few weeks ago, maybe after on the good run of form, whenever everyone was saying Coutinho was the best player they've ever seen in a Villa shirt, I just don't, even at like the height of his Villa performances and when everyone was raving about him, and I love Coutinho like when he's on form, it's magical to watch. I just don't think he's the best player I've ever seen in a Villa shirt. And it does hurt me to say that because the best player in a Villa shirt I've seen is probably Jack Grealish last season in the first half of the season, you know, that <laughs> Liverpool game. That run against Burnley, I know we lost three two, but just stuff like that sticks in your mind. I just and the Crystal Palace game as well at home on Boxing Day. What was it? I just don't think he's. I've seen a better player than Jack Grealish in that form for Villa, to be honest. Which does burn me inside to say. <laughs> and then I actually agree with that, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that is it. I mean, maybe it's just you and me, but I, I think that's fair. Um, the other one is that it's probably. I've only just started thinking about it, but. Emmy Martinez this season, I think he's down there. For, I think there's a, there's a statistic called post-shot expected goals and it basically measures how many goals a keeper prevents that should have gone in. Mm-hmm. And I think Emmy Martinez is on like minus seven and like Jose Sars on like plus 12 or something. And so it, it, I think last season he was making some of these saves that this season you go oh, on another day. Emmy Martinez saves that. But I feel mm-hmm. like I keep saying oh, on another day Emmy Martinez saves that. And I'm not seeing those games as as frequently this season where Emi Martinez is making those saves. And he is getting hung out to dry by a poor defence ahead of him. And that probably is is adding to it. But I don't think he should come into blame. I just think I think maybe we should highlight that as an issue. Especially the... I didn't know how the uh, Kulisewski goal went in when he was on. He was going away from goal on his weak foot. If he is, mm-hmm. I think it's his weak foot. On a tight angle. It's also Meg's... Uh, it's gone through Tyra Mings' legs, hasn't it? It is unfortunate, but I was just looking at it thinking, maybe he should have been doing better there. Maybe well, he should let that go in. I don't think you're alone, and it is kind of like a blasphemy, isn't it, to come out and question Emi Martinez, who's been yeah. very good. Uh, I would not like to lose him. He's on a long-term contract. He's on his day. He's one of the top five goalkeepers, maybe, in, in the league. Top mm-hmm. six, top four. Um Trying to think who would be up there. Yeah, top top five probably. Yeah. But I was sat there on Saturday and was with my dad, and I think it was for the the Kuliskevsky one. Yeah. So definitely said that wrong. And you kind of think, hmm, I save that, you know. Yeah. You've only seen it live in the stadium, and you know you don't watch it back and stuff. You don't see any real like plays. Very but tight angle. <laughs> there's there's a few occasions this season where I thought yeah. he'd have saved that last season. Well, like a like a you know a shot from like on the edge of the area outside of the box. You think yeah. I feel like he's got time to deal with that, and he's. He hasn't. Oh, I feel like the first game like against Watford, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll save that another time. And then it's kind of been a theme throughout the season where I've gone, mm. 
Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Again, uh, you might be cancelled for this. You might never be on the podcast yeah, again. Yeah, but agree, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, so I, I think that's all right. <laughs> so did, did you catch the podcast after Spurs? Did you watch it? Uh, no, I think I was drowning my sorrows in Peroni and the Aston Tavern. <laughs> right, I'll share mine with you then. People who watch the podcast regularly will already have, well, they might have listened to this if they got all the way through the last episode. I had two as well. First one is a, a long time opinion I've had that the round badge is overrated. I don't think it's as good as people think mm-hmm. it is. I think it's because it's associated with winning the league and winning the European Cup, and I understand that's why it's important from a design point of view. Meh, meh. Yeah, I don't think the colours are quite right. I think in the modern day where it's printed onto everything, it's on every piece of paper at Villa Park, and mm-hmm. I just don't think it works the same. Social media, stuff like that. I don't think it would work in the modern day, no. I think if you bought it back, people would look at Man City, Chelsea, Brentford, all these like, recently changed circle badges and just think, oh, Villa have just done something like that. Yeah. I don't write it round badge, so cancel me if you like. <laughs> My second one was a match-related one. Is that If you were only going to end up selling one centre-back, like let's say if you were told you've got to sell one of these two, I think they would choose to sell Conter over Mings. I think... Mm. There's not much between them because not, I'm not saying Mings has had a brilliant season because he hasn't, but I think Mings has been the better performer out of the two. And that might be a bit of recency bias for concert. But I think he's your captain. He's the England international. We can probably get more money for concert. So concert might be a better footballer and, and harder to replace. But if we can only sell one, we'll sell him over Mings. That's like how I would think of it. I think that's probably a more unpopular opinion because Mings is easy to, to hate on. Disagree with that one. I think yeah, there's a fair point because obviously, if Mings had had two red cards this season, slipped against Wolves and had a, a header against um, Tottenham, he probably would be getting dragged through the mud, wouldn't he? Mm. But um, into, I think if you were going to sell one, I think you could still get quite a high value for Mings, you know, England international, Villa yeah. captain. I, I think he's a premium, he gets that. But I still, I'm I'd still, I'd be really disappointed if we sold Conza this season, and I just wouldn't want to see him go. To be honest, I think he'd go and thrive somewhere else. It'd be one of those things. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'd be disappointed, but I also wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna... really, not, not based enough anything, I don't know anything. It's just a, an inkling yeah. that he might be seen as the more valuable asset to gain money for a, a summer rebuild. Whereas you, got, you might get what fifteen million for Mings, maybe. Yeah. You can get forty maybe for Conza. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Okay, fair enough. Um, I wanted to go over two more things quickly, and this is dragging on longer than I thought, but it's thanks to a load of comments that we've had. The final thing I wanted to mention um, is the Peter With podcast, and this isn't an old one I want to plug. This is a new one that will be out this Thursday uh, on this very Facebook page. So uh, like this page, follow it, that kind of thing, to, to see that post first. I think it will be coming around Thursday lunchtime. And for those that are watching or listening to this on the Current Blue podcast, you can uh, sign up to our email newsletter and get it tomorrow, so Wednesday the 13th of April, and then it'll be on kind of general release, let's call it, on YouTube itself on Thursday afternoon as well. So if you're impatient, you can get it on Wednesday. If you're happy to wait around, you can get it Thursday. Um, and I want to run a quick trailer for it, so uh, here's what you can get yourself into if you uh, sign up to the newsletter. I'm just missing one piece of the jigsaw, he said, and that's you. He said, if I get a centre forward of your calibre, he said... We'll win the league. You're, you're a nice guy and you're, you're pleasant and you're this and you're that. He said, but I look at you in the football field. He said, it's just a different animal, a different beast. And I said, yeah, it is. I said, because it's called crossing the white line. So they said, what do you mean? I said, when I cross that white line to get on that football field, don't stand in my way. 
what have you got to tell me about centre-halves? And I said, it's very simple. Whatever the centre-half is, I eat. That's how you score goals. And of course, that's when Ron made the famous, to Tony Gubbin made the famous statement, do you want to bet against us? How did you respond to that to that statement from him? I know I responded to it. I responded to saying, that's what I would have said. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't bet against us because we'll come bouncing straight back and we'll bite you. Once he's got free, I'm new and I'm looking at Argentile and Argentile, as I've gone forward, has gone to the near post. I know where the goalkeeper's got to cover, he's got to cover to, to the near post. So once the ball has passed Argentile and it's passed the centre-half, I'm now in the middle of the goal. A thousand things are going through my head, but the most important thing that's going through my head, all the practice you've done, of these opportunities, make good contact with the ball. And there's some irony in Peter with saying make good contact with the ball and he shouldn't be, you know, yes, shouldn't be yes. in the back of the net. It did say like it actually if you watch it, it does take a divot, it doesn't come off the shin, you, know, you don't get that kind of contact yeah, from the shin. Uh, he also says that when he does like after dinner speech, uh, speeches and stuff, he says it you know, it's a 30 yard scream, is how he tells people yeah. it, it went in now because you know, it doesn't matter now. Uh, so if you want to go and watch that, um, it's available tomorrow on the, the newsletter, which will go straight into your email inbox if you sign up the link. I'll put it in the comments in a second. Um, and it'll be in the YouTube description as well. Patrick, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Daniel, thank you very much. You call me Daniel quite a lot on text and stuff, so I thought I'd drop that in for you instead. Uh, Yeah, thanks everyone for watching, and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. (laughs) 